0: Plancy, you are listening to Impact Izzone, the soon voice of Michigan State University basketball, bringing you news, updates, and more.
1: I'm proud of myself being be relevant. Yeah, it's snow outside. Yeah. What is up, members of the Izzone? And welcome back to the Impact Zone, your one and only source for Michigan State men's basketball. Brought to you by Impact 89FM, WDBM, a part of the Impact Sports Podcast Network. It's me, Julian Mitchell, in studio, all alone today, actually. All the boys went down to Washington, D.C., Joey Ellis, Kyle Turk, and Joe Dandron in Washington, D.C. for the Sweet 16 and now Elite 8 game. For Michigan State, they're down there covering all the action in D.C., so I'm here alone, kind of podcasting, at least by myself in the studio. But I got the boys on the line because we needed to do a podcast. Uh, Michigan State with the Sweet 16 win just yesterday over LSU. Final score was 80-63, to 63, and Duke won their matchup against Virginia Tech. A, a very shocking, very t- surprise hold-on win for the Blue Devils once again after after beating UCF. Able to hold on against Virginia Tech and move on to the Elite Eight. So Michigan State, Duke in the Elite Eight now. I got the boys on the line from D.C. Boys, how we doing? Can you hear me?
2: Yeah.
1: There it is. There it is. They are here in studio: Cal Turk, Joey Ellis, Joe Dandrian on the line with me from Washington D.C. How you boys doing? How's D.C. been treating you? The, the cherry blossoms are in full bloom, so I've heard.
0: Heck of a heck of a city here, Julian, in the nation's capital. Just coming off a fantastic. Uh, hotel breakfast, can't complain.
1: Ooh, uh, nice! Breakfast. Con- nice continental breakfast. It
0: went, it went above and
2: beyond continental. Maybe uh, worldwide, worldwide breakfast. That's a new term. I'm coining that right
1: now. Wow, look at that! What what hotel are you guys staying at? We got got to shout the hotel out for treating you boys right.
2: Uh, the Embassy Suites and Convention Center. You know, you know how he it is. <laughs> it's the nicest in the biz. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nicest in the biz. Well, you love to see it. Glad to hear you guys are doing. All right, but as I said, Michigan State winning the Sweet 16 matchup against LSU, final score was 80-63 to in that game, and it was pretty much a wire-to-wire win for Michigan State, dominated the entire game. You guys are sitting there. Uh, I saw the pictures. You guys are a little, little bit up high. Players look like ants, but you still got to take in all the action live in front of you. And what did you take away from this Michigan State matchup? Because for me, it was just another dominating win, and the Spartans playing at their peak performance, I think, right now.
3: Well, I think what really stuck out, Julian, to me is uh, the play of the freshman, of course, and obviously how Michigan State was able to just kind of out-hustle LSU. um, They did a really good job of keeping the bigs of LSU off the board, especially in the first half. Um, And then, of course, I mean, we go back to, like I just said, the freshman. uh, Aaron Henry was magnificent for, you know, Tom Izzo and his team.
1: Yeah, the freshmen were truly tremendous. You talk about Aaron Henry, and... The question has been all season long, when was he going to to round into form? He got the extra minutes. He was thrown into the fire with Joshua Langford being injured, and he has all the tools. He's one of the more athletic players on this Michigan State team, but he just couldn't seem to put it all together. The, The shot from the perimeter wasn't falling, didn't exactly have the tools to finish all the way inside, and he just hadn't rounded off as an offensive player. But this game against LSU showed what he can be and what I think he will more evolve into as his years go on in the green and white uniform. He had jumpers from the perimeter, pulling up from mid-range, driving hard inside, a little stop-and-pop game. He looked fantastic. I mean, what did you guys see from him, and can he keep this up? Is this finally the turning point for Aaron Henry, and how important is it for this Michigan State team to get him now as they look to play Duke?
2: What a good time to get hot if you're Aaron Henry. Uh, I think I've liked his game all year. It's just a matter of having the confidence to get your shot going. Uh, for him, if he can add the outside shot to his game down the stretch here for MSU, it opens up a whole lot of different things. I don't think LSU, for whatever reason, they they wanted to leave him and Gabe Brown open from outside early on. I'm pretty sure the first uh, three-pointer that Gabe Brown took, uh, he looked at LSU player up and down and said, hey, you're going to let me shoot? I'll take care of business. And the, the two of them, Henry especially, just poised, confident. And, and that stage, that definitely could have, seemed too big for them. I think it definitely seemed too big for guys like Javante Smart and Naz Reed from LSU. Not so much the case for Aaron Henry and Gabe Brown looks the part more than anything else.
0: Yeah, Kyle, going off that as well, it was in question all season long who outside of you know Kenny Goins and, and Matt McQuaid and now Xavier Tillman down the stretch, who you're going to get production from. So if you're getting production from these freshmen in Aaron Henry the way he was able to produce last night, same thing with Gabe Brown going forward, that's going to be crucial because it wasn't all just Cassius Winston having to do it. You had four different starters in double figures for Michigan State, which was huge in terms of scoring, and you're going to need that against the Duke team who anybody who watches them with the three freshmen and then Trey Jones, who all can score the way they can, last, like last night showed it. You're definitely going to need that consistent scoring effort from other guys off the bench as well.
1: Definitely going to need more from everyone. And one thing I want to hit on, Gabe Brown hasn't gotten much minutes all season long. And I, I think me and a couple other of, of other Spartan people, I think we all have kind of said it that he he could get a few more and obviously he had his holes defensively, but his his role as a shooter was was tremendous in the game against LSU. It's something that he brought coming in as a freshman of Michigan State. And if you're looking at Gabe Brown, I I think this guy has the potential to grow in one of the great players for Michigan State. At least one of the great role players. His ability to knock down that three is huge for this team, especially on a night at least like against LSU, where Matt McQuay wasn't knocking them down, nor Kenny Goins. Gabe Brown was really the three-point shooter. And if Michigan State's knocking down threes, they got a chance to beat anyone in the nation.
3: Yeah, and that's, that was an interesting thing that LSU's head coach, uh, the interim head coach, Benson, talked about after the game. Is, I mean, Brown was 12-34 of 34 on threes heading into that one. So, I mean, they, just, they let him shoot, and he just knocked him down yesterday, which was big for him, and it's going to be big really going into that matchup with Duke. Um, I mean, like you said, being able to get production from other guys. And I would expect, you know, Henry and Brown to play a big role in Sunday's game. And I think that's going to be, you know, they're going to need them to play a big role to, you know, kind of, I guess, you know, bring a more of a balance to that Duke game, especially with the guys that are on the other side.
2: The other thing, too, Julian, is you got to remember, as much as, you know, senior leadership is important, that the – Thing that Brown and Henry kind of possesses that athleticism to match up with guys from LSU, guys from Duke. Now, by no means by saying that Aaron Henry or Gabe Brown is going to be able to match up with Zion Williamson and take him to school because uh, I don't think that's happening to anybody even once he gets to the league next year. But they've, they've got that extra element um, of the game where you need – I mean, Kenny Goins and Wade are going to need to play their games tomorrow, but so are so too are guys that, that come in in these smaller roles like Henry and Brown.
1: Now, I have to ask, you guys are in the locker room – Post game, and all I can think about is, is Aaron Henry went off in the game uh, to the tune of of twenty points, nine of fourteen from the field to go along with six assists and eight rebounds. Was after all the controversy of Izzo yelling at him, was, did anyone ask if he was going to yell at Izzo? Was that a question fielded in the locker room? Because I, I really want to know.
0: I think somebody asked him, and he said if if, uh, if it takes Coach uh, cussing him out more to to bring that out of him, then then he's all for it. And hey. It might be uh, what he needs down the stretch because it, it seems to have been the kick in the pants, maybe that he needed to to really jumpstart his game right at the perfect time.
1: <laughs> yeah, you you love it the 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 inspired coaching, the the cussing out, the yelling really really gets guys motivated. Uh, another piece of this LSU game that truly to me was something that I think will transfer to Duke is the rebounding and the 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 final margin ended up being a little bit closer than I think it, it truly shows for both teams, Michigan State. Rebounding, uh, got 41 rebounds in the game. The LSU's 34. But at least in the first half, the offensive rebounds was what was dominant for Michigan State. And it, it's a very stark comparison when you look at LSU. They're one of the better rebounding and offensive rebounding teams in the country. Michigan State is still one of the better rebounding teams, but obviously don't have a true down low big like a Nas Reed or a Big B Williams going with a Xavier Tillman and a Kenny Goins in that front court but able to dominate on the glass, and I think going forward against Duke, a team that, with Marcus Bolden, who is pretty susceptible to foul trouble, can get himself sitting on the bench a lot, and Javin Delorier, who's still not that that large of a guy, rebounding I think will be one of the game-changers in that Duke game.
2: Aaron Henry had five offensive rebounds, and it felt like they all came in about two possessions, and I'm pretty sure MSU they had 12 second-chance points to four at one point in the game, and LSU actually ended up uh leading in that category but either way msu for a team that rebounds the bell as well offensively as lsu does really I mean, it took them until the second half to really get much of that going and they had to pretty much double their efforts in terms of getting to the boards uh there was a possession i think in the second half where they got two or three offensive rebounds and, and had a putback, but msu was able to keep possessions going i think cashes into a couple threes after uh offensive rebounds and it's good to see him shooting the three ball as well as he did because uh, that just adds another <laughs> dangerous element. I mean, you think about it at this point, MSU's got so many things working in their favor. If they can continue to offensive, rebound the ball offensively the same way they did against LSU, even, even somewhere close to that, uh, Duke is not exactly the best team on the defensive glass. So if, if MSU can pick up a lot of second-chance points, second-chance opportunities, we could be looking at quite a, quite a contest.
1: And we've been touching on it, the fact that there is now a matchup looming with the big, bad Duke Blue Devils. They have cast some black magic and somehow made their way to an Elite Eight, winning two very shocking games over UCF and now Virginia Tech in the the final moments here. You, You look at Duke and you guys got to watch him up close and... All I've heard is, all people, everyone has heard this season, is how great Zion Williamson is. Seeing him up close and personal, I mean, is is the hype real? Should I buy all of the Zion stock?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you haven't bought stock yet, Julian, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, me me and Turk, when we were t- during the game, couldn't, couldn't uh, stop talking about him during the broadcast. He's, he's that exciting of a player, and, and deservingly so. He gets all the attention he gets. But, I mean, it's tough. You look at this team. is It seems like Duke's almost going three on five most of the time offensively. I mean, I don't think they're going to get that consistent effort that they got from Trey Jones pouring in over 20 like he did Friday night. So it, it's tough because they do run everything through Zion Williamson. So you, you just you have to assume that he's still going to get his fill. He is that good of a player. So if you're Michigan State, you, you just try to limit him as much as you can keep him in front of you, which is a very tall task. But you just have to as crazy as it sounds, let those other lottery picks and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, it'll be interesting to see his injury status for Sunday's game. You have to let those guys try to beat you and let Trey Jones beat you, and you saw Virginia Tech doing that yesterday, giving up shots and letting Trey Jones get some open looks, and he was just knocking them down. So at the end of the day, you just have to try to limit Zion because you're not going to entirely stop him, but at the end of the day, if you can limit him, keep him in check, and let those other uh, supporting cast members be to I think that's uh, the formula to beat Duke. It might not be done, but teams have shown they've come close so far.
1: Yeah, and one of the biggest things I saw from UCF, and I think their template is one that works very well for Michigan State. Obviously, don't have you know a seven foot, seven foot tall big man in Taco Fall, but the way they use Taco and putting him on that baseline and making him pretty much a free safety, and he's roaming that area waiting for Zion Williamson to come inside. I think Michigan State has the players that can do that, particularly with Xavier Tillman, who can stay down low because the biggest thing for Duke is not a lot of guys on their team can shoot. Trey Jones had a phenomenal night, 5 of 7 from 3 against Virginia Tech. I don't see that happening again, as you said, Joey. Uh, but Javin Delorier, Marcus Bolden, these are these are guys who they don't have consistent jumpers. And they're not that much of a threat to shoot. And so you can send somebody back there on that back line. And I think as long as you hold Duke to 30% below shooting, which is about their average, at least from three, that's a recipe to win. I think Michigan State has the big man, has the bodies to do it. Do you guys think it's at all possible? I think between Tillman, Goines, and Ward, that's enough fouls between those three guys to, to slow down Zion Williamson.
0: Yeah,
3: I mean, I think you... You've got to send all those guys in Zion and you've got to try to get him in foul trouble if you wanna slow down Duke. Um and if you can get him in foul trouble, I mean it's like Joey said, you then you can force the other guys to kinda of beat you. And I mean also you talked about Trey Jones going five of seven from three two. That you can't expect that to happen, you know, every single game. So I think a big thing is keeping them off the boards, of course, and also going at Marquise Bolden and Delorier is going to be big for them as well because then that forces Duke to play a little smaller. Um, but, I mean, Zion's going to get his. So you just got to do whatever you can to limit his minutes and limit what he
0: can do. And adding on that, Joe, it's interesting because you talked about the shooting, Julian, and, and packing the lane. And UCF, I think, really showed that blueprint for what it takes to beat Duke. And Kyle was saying they don't rebound it all that well in the defensive glass. I mean, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett are the two account for most of their rebounds. So their bigs don't rebound the ball all too well. And considering how well Michigan State's rebounded all season, controlling the glass in this matchup is going to be absolutely huge, packing the lane and letting those Duke shooters get shots. And if they knock them down, they knock them down. But as you said, Julian, they don't shoot it all too well. So I think the blueprint is there. Now can Michigan State do it? And can Tom Izzo do it against a guy who's thoroughly uh, dominated him head-to-head?
2: For me, the, the the kind of key X factor is is figuring out how Kenny Goins can can kind of pick apart the Duke defense because you get the sense that, that Zion Williamson is going to go up and grab a board over Xavier Tillman if it comes down to that kind of one-on-one matchup. But you get Kenny Goins in the ball screen switches, and you wonder who would they do something like send Zion at Tillman and, and try and leave Delorier or Golden or whoever to go up against Goins. The, the the amount of damage Goins is able to do in the pick-and-pop game might be the difference. Matt McQuaid didn't have a great game uh, until the last minute, I guess, against LSU. Uh, getting him open is going to be interesting against Barrett if, that, if that's his matchup. I don't know, just You you try and figure out where MSU might have the advantage. It might come down to Reddish simply not playing to, to for, for MSU to have a shot. Uh, I don't know where MSU wins on offense outside of, I guess, Cassius is good enough. He broke down Xavier Simpson, so why can't he break down Trey Joe?
0: I think you just definitely you have to hit shots. Uh, the Kenny Goins matchup could be huge because Zion Williamson might get paired out to him, and, and you want to take Zion as far away from the basket on the defensive end as possible. So Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid can't combine to go 4 of 16 from the floor. Again, you're going to have to be able to shoot the ball from the perimeter, and Goins' ability to shoot the three ball could be the difference there because you're going to get Zion drawn away from the basket, which then in turn opens up. Gilman and Nick Ward to open up some offensive rebounding chances.
3: Yeah, and that'll – I mean, what Joey's talking about, that opens up the lanes for guys also like Cash to kind of get to the rim as well. Then also on defense, you've got to capitalize on stops, and that was something that Virginia Tech didn't do, I felt like, a lot of late in the game. Obviously, they had a chance to force overtime. They played a great game. Yeah, I mean, they played – I mean, they really fought their way back into it, but there was a lot of times where it was – They would get a stop and then they weren't able to capitalize on that. And I feel like that's something you have to do against this Duke team. And we talked about it. Michigan State's going to need to play, you know, almost a perfect game for them to take them down. And I think that if you can capitalize on the stops, force a lot of turnovers, and kind of get Duke away from what they like to do, that's going to be, that's going to kind of key you as a team. But I mean, I think that's what it really comes down to, honestly, is just getting stops and capitalizing on those in transition especially, and then also being able to slow down you know, guys like Barrett, Williamson, and Jones you know, in transition as well on the other side.
1: One of the matchups you guys talk about, Kenny Goins and then Zion Williamson, uh, potential matchup between the two there and those two being the, the X-Factors. One thing that I like is that point guard battle I think will be tremendous, and the, the matchup between Winston and Tremont Waters from LSU – was one that was that was fireworks on both sides of the basketball. I mean, Traymont Waters is even though LSU lost, he was absolutely terrific. I mean, that guy's ability to change speeds, to go as fast as he can, get to the rim, and still finish with the best of them was absolutely unbelievable. And of course, Cassius Winston was his Big Ten player of the year typical play. But I think at, at points, Waters maybe not necessarily he wasn't stopping, but was frustrating, I think, for Cassius Winston. And I think that comes down to something that Winston has had trouble dealing with at times throughout his career is those a little bit longer, at least wingspan-wise, athletic guards who can kind of stay in front. And I think Trey Jones is is one of the better defenders in the country. Do you, do you see Trey Jones causing a lot of frustration for Cassius Winston on that side of the basketball? I, I think he's he will get in Winston's face, and I think that could be a big key if you're Duke in having a guard who can kind of not necessarily neutralize but slow down Cassius Winston.
2: The one thing to me will will be interesting to see whether or not he can he can still avoid turnovers, had five of them. MSU as a team did a great job with turnovers, seven on the night. I mean, Cassius Winston, I think, still was able to st- distribute and do some different things. Aaron Henry had six assists, and Winston had just eight. So, I mean, if MSU can still share the ball, it might not have to be all through Winston. I, I get the sense that once you get later in the tournament, I think we've seen in, a, in that last Michigan game, It wasn't all on Cassius Winston every single possession more because Matt McClade is having the game of his life, but you get the sense that this team knows so much how to function on offense regardless of what Matt Winston's matchup is doing, regardless of what someone's doing at Tillman down low that can get baskets any sort of way. They're going to have to against Duke.
1: And one of the bigger the bigger questions, the bigger storylines coming into this Duke matchup is the fact that head coach Tom Izzo is, I believe, 1-11 all-time versus Coach K. And this season has probably been Coach Izzo's best coaching job to take this shorthand Michigan State team and bring them to this point now the Elite Eight a chance to make it to the Final Four. Coach K has beat him at pretty much every point. It's going to bleed into predictions from you guys. I want to know, you're you're picking your best coach, you're picking the best team in this matchup. Who is getting their chance, punching their ticket to the Final Four in Minneapolis? Is Tom Izzo going to get over the hump?
0: Well, Julian, I'll tell you, if Tom Izzo is able to get through this Duke team and get that monkey office back, it would be maybe his biggest win of his career in terms of just the entire season and where things have gone and going up against, you know, maybe the best Duke team we've ever seen assembled with those three freshmen. Um, I still think I've maintained it all season long that Duke, when you get Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, and Zion Williamson producing at that high level, I still don't think there's a team who can slow them down just on, in terms of sheer talent. But UCF and now Virginia Tech have both shown that that blueprint is there. This Duke team is vulnerable. And if you asked me two months ago, I would have probably told you Michigan state has zero chance of beating this team, but you get to be a eight and you're 40 minutes away from a trip to Minneapolis. And I, I think anything can happen. Michigan state's got to love their chances considering how well they're playing. If they can cut down on some of those turnovers, like Kyle was saying, shoot the ball well and rebound well and do all they can to, to keep Zion in check. I know it's a big ass. I think they've got to like their chances. Um, I, I still like Duke in the matchup, but It's going to be a really even matchup, and it should be a slugfest of an elite eight.
3: And I think that it's. I mean, Coach. Obviously, we talked about Tom Izzo's record against Coach K, and I think this. You know, you could talk about the game on Sunday being the biggest of Izzo's career so far. I mean, maybe not. Obviously, with the championship, 2000, all those. But you know just like what this game would represent, you know, him getting past the Duke team, like Joey said, how special they are, and also getting over the hump against Coach K to get to a Final Four, your first since 2015. Um, I think that, you know, with this team, you mean, you'll have a lot of guys coming back next year, too. It would just be a really big thing, you know, especially going into the next season as well.
1: And touching on that, just last burst, this is... You know, a lot of people have question marks, at least looking at the Champions Classic in that event, about the fact that that Michigan State is in there. Look, look at the Dukes, the Kansas, and the Kentuckys, and then Michigan State, kind of the not little brother, but the, the the stepchild in that group. There, do you guys think this win would sort of finally validate, at least to the the outside perspective, that Michigan State is the blue one of the blue blue bloods in college basketball? that That is would finally beat Coach K and asserted michigan state this program as a blue blood over duke
2: i think duke will always be duke kentucky will always be kentucky kansas will always be kansas i i get the sense that for as much as they are not on that same level there's only so much they can do to try to get there msu can win this game tomorrow afternoon and i don't think it really changes much of the scope i think that msu is still a top-tier program before and after this game, regardless of outcome. Uh, don't get me wrong. It would definitely mean a lot in the context of you did uh, you did something pretty much no one could do the entire rest of the year in, in beating this Duke team. But, I mean, a Final Four is a Final Four, and it, it can happen to any program if you get them in the right situation. I think MSU, this this would be his, his most impressive coaching job in the fact that you lost two – one and a half, basically starters during the season, and you can still have a chance to be playing for a Final Four against the best team the entire year, and that's that's not easy to do.
1: It'll be a very interesting matchup. As we're ending it out here, I gotta get you guys' predictions. I'll start it first, and I'm just, I'm gonna go Michigan State. I have I have sat on this for a while. Uh, my initial reaction when the tournament. The first the seedings first came out was that Duke was going to win this region no matter what. And it was unfortunate that Michigan State ended up in the East region with Duke as the two-seed, but after watching UCF and Virginia Tech, Duke is beatable. This is a basketball team. Yeah, they have the talent. Yes, Zion Williamson is a Jeep running at 10 miles per hour in transition. Taking a charge from him is like getting run over by a car, but they're just not a great basketball team. Shooting, They can't shoot. I don't think Trey Jones is, is that great, at least right now, of a player. I think this is a very, very beatable Duke team. I think Michigan State does it. I think Tom Izzo has done his best coaching job this season. These guys look great. They look like they're playing at the peak performance right now. Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown, if they can keep this up, this all-around effort, they've been getting the most out of the the less amount of players, the less amount of talent they've had this season. And I think he continues, and a ticket is punched to the Final Four in Minneapolis for Michigan State and Tom Izzo.
0: Well, Julian, as much as I enjoy a, a trip out to Minneapolis to, to cover <laughs> the and in the Final Four, I still I still like Duke. I, I think I said it earlier when those three freshmen are are playing at that level that we've seen for pretty much all of the season. I I think they're a pretty darn tough out. It, it'll be interesting though to see if Cam Reddish goes. I, I'm really not sure of the severity of. What kept him out for that Virginia Tech game. So, if he's not able to go, that entirely changes the matchup there. And Michigan State would love their chances. But until then, I, I still think Duke, two of the three best players maybe in the country on that team. And um, so, it'll be an interesting matchup. And, and it should be a great one. I think college basketball fans should definitely tune into that one because it'll be a, a heavyweight fight.
3: Well, I mean, I think I also got to pick Duke. Obviously, if Cam Resch doesn't play that, even the playing field quite a bit. but I mean, this Duke team has just gotten – I mean, at the same time, you feel like – you know, I remember talking to Michael yesterday and I, when Virginia Tech was getting ready for that shot. I'm like, oh, man, they can't get lucky again. But it's – this team just has a sense about them of, you know, I guess not necessarily destiny, but, like, this team is just, you know, continues to get there. And Michigan State is doing the same thing. So it's going to be very interesting. It's uh, kind of a toss-up. But I think i got to go Duke because – they've just been so good, so consistently, and I think it's just so tough to bet against them, um especially on such a national stage.
2: I also think that Duke has gotten lucky once, twice. Do they do it 3 times? I don't know. I think it, we always talk about, hey, if you need to get to the final four, you need to get to X mark in the tournament, you got to get lucky to get there. I can't recall a time MSU's got lucky yet. I think Maybe that luck starts to turn around tomorrow afternoon. I'm picking MSU. I don't know why. It's probably heart more than head. But they just seem to have that look about them where the experience might win out in a situation like this. Uh I, I get the sense that Barrett and Williamson they're already made for the prime time stage. But maybe Ty jo- or Trey Jones hitting three, what, what five out of seven yesterday?
1: Yeah, five, five out, out of seven. seven.
2: He's not going to do that tomorrow, are you kidding me? I think MSU can can just hit enough shots to, they're not going to blow Duke out of the water. But let Zion score his 25 points. If they keep him under 25, I've got to love MSU in this game.
1: It'll be a great matchup in D.C. The nation's capital, two powerhouses, the one and two seed in the East region. Duke and Michigan State will battle it out for a trip to Minneapolis for the final four the game will tip off 5:05 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be live nationally on CBS, but to be honest Jim Nance, Bill Rafferty, Grand Hill, don't really care cuz it's also going to be live on Impact 89 FM, WDBM, 88.9. The tune-in on uh your your radio in your car, Joey Ellis, Kyle Turk will be live for that game. How how would the call go yesterday?
2: The the new headsets are oh, working nice. like
0: a dream. <laughs> oh my. We even had our we even had our own uh live Switch that we could toggle on the outside of our little booth there, and on the sixth floor.
2: Capital One Arena is nice. They've been hooking us up. It, it's a very impressive arena because it looks like it's just another building within the city. A very, uh, very interesting placement. It's definitely not not a uh, United Center out of nowhere thing.
1: Wow, that's that's awesome. Glad you guys are having some fun down there in DC. Hopefully a great game tomorrow, I'm sure, between Duke and Michigan State. Once again, 5.05 p.m. Eastern time. The tip-off for that one, Michigan State taking on Duke. A trip to the Final Four. Tom Izzo trying to get over the hump of Coach K. A matchup for Destiny in the Elite Eight. It'll be fun. D.C., maybe Donald Trump will pop out. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Either way, there'll be an Impact Zone episode following the Duke game. Whoever makes it there will have all the info, the stats, the the breakdown, the analysis, coming at you. But this has been it. Impact The Zone with the boys from DC on the line. Julian Mitchell, I'll see you guys on the next episode.